Let's go, everybody, and welcome to a uh, 23rd episode of our podcast, We Watch 100 Isekai, where we'll be covering Sengoku Collection. Today, I'm here, as always, with my lovely co-host, Thermite. Let's go. <laughs> and it's me, Tequila Zaku. Let's go. I was just introduced to this meme, and it's not good. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I feel old. Fermite somehow completely missed the baby. Let's go. So consider our normal let's schedule. Go. This is, this is, episode is probably going to come out in like 2022. No one's going to know this. <laughs> <laughs> At our current pace. I don't pace. know what you're. I don't know what you're less going on about, Fermite. <laughs> so everybody loves the baby. We're covering the anime Sengoku Collection. <laughs> Let's go. Sengoku Collection is based on a mobile social networking game created by Konami in t- December of 2010. Man, health to the yeah, Sengoku Collection is based. So Sengoku Collection came out before the big. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, don't falter now, old man. It came out before the big gotcha game rush, but it is still a game designed to milk all the money out of your bank accounts because it is a uh, like a mobile trading card game. And the the general premise is actually very different from the a- anime in that uh, in in the mobile game you are in the Sengoku era of Japan and there are six hidden treasures in the world with god of war cards in them and so all huh. the all the little girls that run Japan have to fight over the god of war cards like with kratos no unrelated <laughs> i see well so that sounds like a pretty hot lit Epic and super dope premise for a card game, yo. What we're uh, uh, watching is the anime series that came out two years later to promote the mobile game. It was produced by Brains Base, who I don't think have we done anything by. Oh yeah, actually, uh, Android was done by Brains Base. More like Brains Based. Oh boy, <laughs> these are only getting worse. I'm sorry, I'll stop being a zoomer now. <laughs> Brainspace, Brainspace doesn't have a whole lot of other things that I look at and go, oh, this is obviously an isekai. So I'm actually quite excited to see if they'll show up again. Their output so far has been decent. I like they put a lot of colors in the show. The bright colors make me distracted. Like if you were jangling keys in front of my face. It's good. Hmm. Speaking of bright colors, in another world, a perfect pillar of fire shoots into the sky at night, a pink full moon looming in the sky. Uh, within the pillar, nothing is actually on fire, so it is more like a cylinder of fire around the, uh, Oda Nobunaga's castle. Well, Oda Nobunaga's fucking sky Tokyo Tower treehouse fort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should probably describe Oda Nobunaga because I, I like the idea of just saying Oda Nobunaga and having everyone listening to the podcast who hasn't seen the anime envision the historical Oda Nobunaga. But that is no, not. No, don't uh-huh. describe it. No, you know what? I think it'll make it much more interest- entertaining if you look at just imagine what you think this Oda Nobunaga looks like. That's what was real in your heart, man. That's all that matters. I'll just I'll, I'll throw out a thing or two to set the mood. 
imagine these code phrases. Underaged. <laughs> of course, See, it, that's yeah. already much less fun than imagining a fully grown ass, hairy ass Oda Nobunaga in what we're about to describe. <laughs> I, I like Nobunaga's like 2D tiara. It is not a like a simplified tiara. It is like it is perfectly flat. We see her like sideways occasionally. It is a line when she is sideways. She's also got these like leather that, wrist cuffs, much like Yami Yugi from Yu-Gi-Oh. That might just be for ease of animation. Uh, the tiara, not the cuffs. I don't know. I've, in the OP, I see a lot of very complicated character designs. I feel like if they wanted to do a 3D tiara, they could have done a 3D tiara. I guess the animation in this isn't really the way, uh, anything that would skimp out on this. They had some very nice 2D glass bottles in this. Yeah. So Nobunaga tells her servant Ranmaru to be quiet and that she knows. She whispers the name. Yes. Interestingly enough, this servant, Ranmaru, not in the opening, as far as I can tell. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I really thought because she had, like, a character design, she would be. But I guess she was important enough to feature in the very first scene of the anime. Not important enough to actually be in the show. Hmm. Of course, we also know this is diverging from history in that in the, the in <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, do go on. Uh, famously, Ranmaru was the attendant to Nobunaga, who uh, like helped set uh, uh, his castle on fire, and then uh, because Nobunaga didn't want the enemies to find his body, uh, the, the, his entire castle was essentially a funeral pyre. And then once Nobunaga was definitely dead and burned up, Ranmaru killed himself. Whereas in this version, uh, Nobunaga is standing on a wooden balcony, and she whispers the name Mitsuhide before the cla- the castle collapses and she falls from great heights. I. <laughs> So a, a pink light consumes her and then we go back out to the pillar of fire, which explodes and we go into the credits. The, right. I, I, I can't handle this OP. The literal text of this OP is I you are a strange Sundari girl, but I'll give you a free pass because you're cute and I will love you because you're cute. And it's okay. Yeah! It's okay if you do bad things because you're cute. It is very fuck yeah. Like there's Repeat no pretense. Thermite, a morally gray character is a character that does bad things and is hot. <laughs> it's so strong. <laughs> I really f- first off. The OP actually sounds pretty good, as yeah. does all the music in this entire anime. Oh yeah, that was good. It's got a very nice, good. like, rocky, punky sort of edge to it that goes a little harder than your usual K-pop stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I, I, I wanted, really wanted to take a screenshot of the part where she just goes, where it just goes, <laughs> you're annoying, but I give you a pass because you're cute. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> This, oh, that's great. This OP does have one thing that makes it actually very distinct from a lot of the other isekai 50 female character designs, waifu baits, OPs that we've seen thus far, which is that we don't really 
the main or like the eventual male character in this first episode does not show up at all in this opening. And there is like there's nothing in this opening that suggests that there's going to be a harem theme. Like the song is 100 percent just about Nobunaga and the other girls are just kind of there. No, I briefly had hoped that, you know, this would just be a show about the characters in this opening. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. everything that's happening before the opening is pretty strong. Yeah. I'd say it's a good it's a good first bit little bit. Mm-hmm. So opening ends. We cut back to the falling Nobunaga. She opens her eyes and she's like, oh, wait a minute. This is modern day Japan and I'm falling through the air and I'm going to die. She does uh, the classic spider verse slam into a billboard, bounces off of it, smashes into a boy on his Vespa. It's that boy's fucking dead. It's a really strong scene. I was really happy that like nothing, nothing really breaks her fall necessarily. She does. She just does the spider verse slam and then bounces off a hard billboard and slams into this boy. It is so instantly slapstick. Like it does make me very happy watching the animation for this. Yeah. You know what the show looks-wise reminds me of? Oh. And I think it's just the main character, Shakugan Nashana. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I do appreciate that Nobunaga's character is, like, she is a Sundere, but she's not that mean of a Sundere. Like, she has a lot of self-importance to her, and she does, like, physically harm the main character a couple times, but it's never a, like, I hate you harm. It is usually just a, I'm I'm just smashing your head into my head by accident harm. Listen, as much as I fucking hate debating anime trope terms, mm-hmm. and this will not be a TV tropes using fucking podcast over here, mm-hmm. I would say it falls more into the Ujo-sama category than the Tsundere category. Oh, I want to vomit saying that. Anyway. <laughs> no, I, I do think that's actually an important distinction to make in that there's very there's no real soon here. It is more of just a I am, you know, I am very upper class and I'm unused to the area around me. But she never is like mean towards the male character. Yeah, we're doing a lot of my least favorite dumb like anime girl fish out of water stuff. Like it's Nothing you haven't seen before, up into mm-hmm. including fucking hamburgers, which is, of course, mm-hmm. the fish-out-of-water cute anime girl meal of choice, as seen in <laughs> characters such as Ramlafel Valentine. <laughs> People <sighs> fucking love their anime girls discovering what hamburgers are for some goddamn reason. Maybe it's a similar thing to that Wonder Bread fetish. Hmm, perhaps. <laughs> so as you acknowledge the two characters go get hamburgers we don't we never learn the boy's name in this episode so i just have to call him the boy yeah i just called him sad boy supreme in my notes he's he's got a very generic main not even main character design main character design tends to have like you know a little bit of an edge to him he's just sort of like a background character boy so he looks like the non ex version of the Vlad Love main character. Mmm. So Nobunaga introduces herself as the sweet little devil, King Oda Nobunaga. And the boy, uh, the boy saves me from the horror of, is this even an isekai? By saying that, no, you, you don't seem like the Nobunaga I know of. 
that plus the yeah. fact that they say a couple times, you know, like, I, I want to go back to my world as opposed to I want to go back to my time. Like, that's enough for me to go like, OK, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is an isekai. Like, I'm pretty sure this is not a time travel show. And you a time travel show can be an isekai in terms of, you know, how everything plays out. But this this makes it clear to me that this is probably like a world where the Sengoku era was actually different. As opposed to one where it is the like, oh, did you know secretly in the past, all those guys that you learned about in the history books were actually cute underage girls? I meaning to say that this isn't fate. Also... Don't technically know about the underage thing. This can very much still... I think the art style is vague enough, at least on the main girl, that it can totally still fit into just Moe anime blob. Not on most mm-hmm. of the other girls in the opening. A lot, of those, a lot of those girls are very underaged. <laughs> yes, I am still willing to give Nobunaga a pass on just being short, but... Sure. Whatever. It's not like it actually matters. This show isn't that racy. Yeah, there's enough there that I'm willing to give it the pass. And it's not like, again, it's not like anything actually happens in here. Yeah. This doesn't feel like it's going to go much farther beyond peck on the cheek area as a whole from the tone Mm. of this episode. Yeah. It's definitely the kind of show I would have enjoyed a lot circa 13 years old. Hmm. Yeah, like if I hadn't seen a lot of this stuff before, I definitely would have enjoyed this a lot more. Like the stuff that yeah. it does, it does perfectly fine for what it's doing. When is the show from? Uh, this show is from 2010. Yeah, that makes sense. Or no, no, no. Sorry, actually, 2012. 2012. Yeah, I guess it's a like, I think a pretty late outlier of this type of show. Yeah. Like, we haven't had some... I mean, we've had Vlad Love recently again, but that's still that's that's still going mm-hmm. a little weirder than a lot of these. But, like, you know, this classic, like, Manny Pixie, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, magical boy slash girl that fell from the sky into my life kind of deal. Yeah. Isn't that as popular these days? Although, if you want a good version of that, you should totally go and read Yofukashi no Uta. It's Yofukashi no Ida. You can read it once Magadex is back up. Enough of your plugs. <laughs> the boy returns to his crappy part-time job, and Nobunaga's like, oh, you're my retainer. I can't communicate with anyone else. I need you. And now, I wasn't sure whether that was literal or metaphorical. One or two scenes where I wasn't entirely sure mm-hmm. at first about that. Um, the other one coming up relatively shortly mm-hmm. because like I wasn't sure if it was oh I bumped in my head into you so only we can talk and it sounds like I'm talking fantasy language for everyone else mm. but that is swiftly disproven <laughs> uh, Nobunaga tries to eat a rice ball covered in uh, in plastic there's a few more shenanigans then a robber just kind of shows up with a gun and is like hey I'm going to rob your store <laughs> it's so sudden <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Nobunaga is just kind of screwing around with some sushi and she starts walking towards the robber and she's like, oh, why are you robbing this shitty boy with a shitty life? He's not going to live up to anything. (laughs) This is the worst possible thing you could do because his life is already the worst possible thing. And then she holds out the sushi and crushes it so hard that the robber has, uh, oh, what are those called again? Sympathy pains. He has sympathy pains in his balls. (laughs) See, you think, I think, like, that was, this is the other scene I was talking about. I'm not sure if this is metaphorical 
like CBT or mm-hmm. like psychic ball crushing. Because mm-hmm. that was a very graphically animated pastry getting smushed in a fist. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very <laughs> intense. Ah, uh, yeah. You... Perhaps the most animated single couple of frames in this entire episode. Oh, I'm sure if you go to certain burrows, you can find that specific gif. Yeah, I'm sure, certain. Yeah, I think the scene works either way, because I do like the idea of it being just she is so intensely crushing this thing in her hand that like it isn't just the robber, you know, does a play acting like, oh, my balls. He does drop his gun and it clatters across the ground while he holds his balls. Yeah. And then the police take him away and go, oh, yeah, thank you very much. And they'll hmm. not like, wait, what the hell even happened here? Why is, why is, <laughs> huh? What do you mean she metaphorically crushed your balls? (laughs) I feel like this and then also the next scene where she's going home with our boy is like, I think it really sells the idea that, you know, she is a fish out of water. Sure. But she also just has a very strong, forceful personality. And that kind of makes up for a lot of her flaws. Like she is getting help from this boy through sheer force of I'm telling you to do it. The comparison, all, uh, yeah. Although I'm pretty sure there must have been dogs in the world she came from, and she just is the type of person that would bark back at dogs. <laughs> I mean, we don't know that. I she, guess we don't. She does act as if this is the first time she's ever seen a dog. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe in her world there are furry people, and she's just thought that was a guy that barked at her (laughs) it's possible we don't know there's simply no way to tell but Uh, it does like i do like that there's like some subtle bits of character mm. she clearly like doesn't like octopus and likes dogs When she goes home, like, uh, I think the scene where she gets naked and goes to take a shower is actually a good way to show the tone of the series in that it isn't the, oh, no, the main character really doesn't want to see her, but then he accidentally does. It is it is played yeah. as being very non-sexual. Like he he doesn't want to see, and then he doesn't see, and then when we get the twist of her, you know, jumping out of the shower, it still is portrayed in a very like non-sexual way. It like it is portrayed in a way in which it is clearly meant to be a purely comedic beat, as opposed to an etchy beat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's a big thing that Nobunaga very much firmly stays in control of the situation during the scene, which is always good to see, but. Also, I just rewatched the first couple episodes of Bakemono Guitari, uh-huh. which really have a similar scene to this that makes this kind of pale in comparison. Yeah. I'm sure I can't expect every, like, every random harem anime that we watch to have the <laughs> kind of sharp writing that Monogatari has. Oh, no. Man, <laughs> does, the comparison does not make this look particularly great. Yeah, Monogatari kind of, like, it, it certainly didn't kill the harem genre in any way, but it is one of those seminal things where, like, once you have consumed Monogatari, it's very hard to straightforwardly consume another harem series that follows the same general beats. Yeah, again, like, the writing's just a lot better mm-hmm. than most of them. Just 
not even just on an over level, just the moment to moment dialogue is way more interesting to follow. Yeah. There's 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 not a lot of empty space in Monogatari, yeah. Like even pauses are meant, you know. Like there's a reason for the pauses. There's a reason for incongruous scenes. It's it's a very dense sort of series. Yeah, I think it's really impressive with the fact that you have like basically three characters when ninety five of their line deliveries are completely deadpan. That still have <laughs> radically different characters that completely stick out. But enough about other shows that we're not going to talk about in this podcast. We have to talk about this one. Uh, When we're looking over the uh, the boy's home, we do see that he has a lot of, like, marine imagery. Specifically whales. This boy hmm. likes whales. He likes whales. He's got some, like, fish bed sheets. There's there's something going on there. Uh, he, He also considers that he hasn't really shared meals with anyone since he broke up with his girlfriend's. And inspired by his girlfriend's barely used helmet, he takes Nobunaga to the beach. I like, yeah, the beach episode going to the beach and like driving there, barking at the dog. Like this whole part is probably my favorite part of the episode. There's a lot of speed running these like tropes. Yeah, I I, you know what? I appreciate that as well, because it, it feels like it feels like if we're going to do more impactful stuff later on in the series, this is kind of the stuff we just kind of need to get out of the way for a moment. And it did make me like the characters a lot more than I thought I was going to like them. Yeah, no. I thought I thought it was nice enough. This is definitely... It's inoffensive, and it's also kind of a breath of fresh air in the sense that this is a very kind of different <laughs> kind of bland and inoffensive than the last couple shows. <laughs> There's there's also a billboard in a truck for two girls who have the feel of being very, like, you know, waifu bait characters, but they don't have the look of the characters in the OP at all. No, I think one of them's on the OP, or at least gonna magical girl transform into one of the characters in OP. There's very distinctly some characters in the OP that just have wildly different proportions, because even the boy still kind of has, like moy blah proportions mm-hmm. and then there's just some of the lanklets in the op i don't know how else to call this some of yeah. the clam characters in the background i'm wondering They're if just, some... i think are going to be the villains if i know anything about how anime mm. usually works out <laughs> my guess is that like part of the reason we have such a variety of character designs and like weird little gimmicks and stuff on their designs i i'm betting that even if they're all like based on characters from the sengoku era they might be from slightly different worlds uh like i think Mm -hmm. also we don't know if the original game didn't have various artists working on it yeah that's also a big thing with gacha games well this isn't a gacha but still yeah no but like still the, the, these might be adaptations of wildly different looking character designs that they're all trying to fit in the same show. Hmm. Ah, uh, there's so, a there's a nice mural of Albert Einstein crying. Oh, was that what it's supposed to be? I just thought it was just a creepy painting <laughs> of the graffiti. Okay. <sighs> so they they eat some ice cream. Nobunaga runs along the beach and gets an empty glass Coca Cola bottle. And she's like, "Oh, the, the way it curves, the way it feels in your hands." Surely it's diamonds. Hmm. I'm not giving it to you, but it's definitely made of diamonds. <laughs> this is my treasure now. <laughs> Fucking raccoon person. <laughs> 
they they have a nice little time, but she she is troubled. She does clearly want to return to her own world because, as she says, she was almost done conquering it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, fair. You know, feels bad to be interrupted in the middle of something. Yeah. So they stop at a shrine and she's like, well, I'm not that religious of a person, but there's nothing else I can do. So I'm just going to pray to the God. And if I don't get my prayer answered, I'm burning down the shrine. <laughs> Three kimono Mimi girls notice the threat from behind the shrine and go like, oh, no. <laughs> so Nobunaga goes home and she's contacted in her dreams by the Fox Miko, the Cat Miko and the Rabbit Miko from the shrine. And it turns out that if you threaten to destroy holy sites, the, the, the you know, holy beings of the holy site will try to make a deal with you. If only if it was dead easy, man, I would have tried to burn down my local church ages ago. <laughs> but they do say like, well, well, we agree we're going to do it so you don't burn down our shrine, but we don't have enough power. What we could really use are the secret treasures. The, oh, the, the secret treasures are spheres of power that are inside of other isekai warriors, uh, you know, scattered across Japan. If Nobunaga can plunder these secret treasures from these other warriors and give them to the uh, the shrine maidens, then they'll have enough power to send her back home. Well, we'll have some kind of destined war between uh, various people from an older time period hmm. in the present day to obtain a holy treasure. <laughs> <laughs> How curious. Based on a gacha game, you say? <laughs> <sighs> so, she leaves the boy that Coca-Cola bottle as a reward and sets off to collect the secret treasures. Uh, the, the, the Shrine Maidens also tell her that her, sec her secret treasure will draw her to other people with secret treasures. So she can just, you know, like walk around and she'll eventually bump into them. Mm -hmm. okay. Secret treasures attract yeah. secret treasures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A relevant JoJo's reference in light of current news. Uh, part or six. Rather, yeah. Three-week-old news. <laughs> we have the announcement that part six was just announced to, you know, be in production. So you can use that to date this episode. Yeah. Ah, but that is episode one of Sengoku Collection. Yeah, I'm honestly curious what it's going to turn into. I thought this might become sort of like magical girl battle royale sort of vibe-ish, but mm. very, you know, like, not... It's that, like, light-hearted tone that's occasionally going to have, like, a really, like, episode that's with the rain and sad music. Yeah, and uh, the fact that we've already, like, set the hard divergence of this isn't really the past. And, like, you know, N Nobunaga even introduces herself as the sweet little devil Oda Nobunaga, who, which I can confirm was not the epithet of the historical Oda Nobunaga. I'm assuming it's some kind of pun on his original epithet. Yeah, like, he was, the like, the devil king or, you know, demon king. Right. That sort of thing. So... Like, it, it does actually make me very excited because I'm I'm a little, 
I feel weird when every series does the hard like historical revisionism. This is this is the way it actually was back in the past, because then I don't really know what I should take as granted and what I shouldn't, which can affect the way some twists work. Whereas like in something like this, where it is a fantasy world based on the Sengoku era, I, I feel like they you know, there's way more there's way more p- uh, potential for them to do fun, goofy interactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, we still don't know what those three magical animal shrine maidens were about. Possibly evil. Who knows? Maybe that's expecting too much. Mm-hmm. I-, I took them at face value. I'm assuming they're just nice animal people who want to send her to the other world so they don't get burned down. See, how my mind works is if an anime isn't going to be particularly well written, I want it to be laden with dumb twists every second of its runtime. Mm. That's my two modes of how I can enjoy things. <laughs> I mean, th- this series did come out one year after Monica. Ha. Huh. Really puts that into perspective. Yeah. <sighs> but I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in our, you know, rankings or our ratings, but I, it's, it's oh. inoffensive. There's nothing I'm really looking forward to with this one. There's nothing that's really turning me off either. Yeah, there might be some cool stuff that happens. I'm not really sure if this is the kind of show that'll have ap- action scenes. I'm curious if the uh, boy in the first episode is actually going to be a character in the series, or if this was just an episode one thing. Because I, I wonder I, if this is going to be a harem thing, or um, each of these girls has their own sl- boy slash girl. Because I will tell you, uh, looking at the Wikipedia page, I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, the character, like the list of characters starts with, you know, all like presumably most of the like important isekai characters. And there's about, I'd say, like 20 to 30 of them. And then we have the Shrine Maidens that we saw in this episode. And then in other characters, we we have about uh, five characters. And then we finally get to that boy from episode one. I see. I mean, yeah, she did just disappear from his home, so maybe he doesn't appear again. Who knows? Yeah, or or maybe he, you know, sporadically appears when he, she needs money or she needs some, like, modern-day information. But, like, this this doesn't feel like a, you know, this is the big main character who is going to progress as much as she does, and eventually she will choose to stay in this world for him. Or alternatively... You know how he yeah. doomed himself? Said he had a girlfriend before. Instantly oh. eliminated from being a self-insert protagonist. <laughs> he has gotta wise up, man. You don't say that. He has slightly too much interiority. <laughs> he has slightly too much of a character in the backstory to be a real self-insert protagonist. He had a girlfriend, and he likes fish and whales. <laughs> and honestly, if this was any other anime, I would have expected his girlfriend to come back at any point. Huh. For like you know, because they brought it up like, oh, she hasn't used this in a while. It's like it feels like it would be building up to drama with this guy, but I guess maybe it just isn't. Which honestly would make this episode more impressive in retrospect for just building up a guy so much they don't hmm. even gonna spend time with. <sighs> I mean, if that girl on the billboard was also someone who was isekai, it, you know, it, it's possible we could do the insane twist of his girlfriend was actually you know Ashikaga Yoshiaki. <laughs> The the yeah. person overthrown by Oda Nobunaga, and now she is back, <laughs> and she's like, ah, oh, you stole my boyfriend in this world, and you stole all of Japan in the other world. <laughs> this means war. Can't fucking believe this. Can't have shit in Japan. <laughs> I, I, 
Also, big shout out to the line where uh, the robber has a gun and he's trying to rob this convenience store. And Nobunaga is just like, what are you doing with your life? You should be out there trying to unite all of Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Your ambition is too small. Go on and conquer Japan. Sometimes. Honestly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I like it when they go really hard with Nobunaga's character. Like her lamest parts yeah. are when she's not really emoting or when she's like, yeah, you know, when she's doing something very, very generic, but like when she's over the top, it's very fun. And when she is just enjoying the modern world, she's also quite enjoyable. Like I was expecting her to be a character I didn't like. And now I am, I'm slightly above neutral with her. I like her well enough. Yeah. No, I like, you know, this isn't like, it's that same kind of, God, I already forgot the name. You know, it's that same kind of one with the other, where the boy and the girl get isekai'd. Like, mm-hmm. this had, like, slightly above what I expect in terms of anime characterization, in that it had occasional shots and scenes where characters show that they have more interiority and character other than just the basest of archetypes, and that they have, like, lives they've lived so far. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like the pleasantly slightly above average level of anime characterization (laughs) we occasionally get to enjoy (laughs) and i do think it's important that we spend most of this episode just kind of hanging out with her and you know just kind of like roaming around japan having a normal time they have like two separate scenes where she eats a normal ass bento box like, mm-hmm. it, it tells me that the series and is probably not going to be extremely hardcore. Like, we're not immediately yeah. diving into tons of lore and plot and stuff. And I do like that they, like, kind of leave uncommented that he, like, eats the same bento for breakfast and evening. And just kind of, that's just how he rolls. Mm-hmm. That's just what his fucking life is. Like, honestly, that's not so bad. Yeah. Coming away from it's honestly pretty positive after discussion. Which is... Like, I think it benefits from taking it a bit slow, which is, like, the big sin I'll always mark uh, Devil as a part-timer for, which just kind mm. of feels like it skipped five episodes in the middle of episode one. Yeah, Devil as a part-timer, it does, like, all of Sengoku Collection in the second half of the episode. And the first episode is exactly what I was saying I didn't want from a series and that it is all heavy lore and heavy, heavy, like, here's the four islands connected to the demon continents, which isn't inherently yeah, bad. It's just like there's so much so fast. And, you know, I really enjoyed the first like bit before the opening of this anime because that was going so mm-hmm. hard. Oh, way different from the rest of the episode, but I always enjoy when an anime goes needlessly hard right at the beginning. A rewatch is also, I think, it, a rewatch made me like the bi- the giant pillar of flame a lot better because it, initially I was like, oh, this is just a, uh, you know, a, a way to save on animation costs because, you know, they're not showing the building or anything. But going back over it and understanding that this is another world for sure makes me think that there's got to be something else to the, you know, giant pillar of fire because it is a, a pure pillar going into the heavens. Like, it is so explicitly magical as opposed to, you know, just like a way to not show the building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I do like it. It's fine. It's fun. Yeah. So, Thermite, Mm -hmm. if there's nothing else, do you want to talk about our ratings? 
Yes. Our rating system, of course, is uh, surprisingly still the spicy, nicey, isekaisi rating system. We've, we've, you know, confronted the fact that there are some problems with this one, and we have chosen not to change anything. So, Zaku. Tequila Zaku, if you will. Yeah. How spicy was Sengoku Collection? Uh, like a three. Uh, yeah, you know, fair. Middling. Mm, yeah, maybe like a two, actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm... I'll give it a three. I'm gonna give it a two. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, you're gonna give it a slice, slice, you, you, slightly you more. taste of this a bit more. This is going to McDonald's and having a, a sandwich, but not, like, not doing the insane move Nobunaga did of just taking the bun off and eating just the bun. It is at least the entire sandwich. This is a slightly pleasant saltine cracker. Yeah. There's nothing bad about it. There's just nothing innovative about it. Like... If I were teaching a university class and I had to play this episode for some reason, like if legally I had the episode and I need to make my plan, my lesson plan around this episode, I would probably just have this be the, hey, do you know what a normal series is like? It's like this. I, I'm yeah, not gonna... there's like one or two scenes in there you could maybe show off as, oh, this did something pretty good. This did something pretty interesting. But most mm. of it is just like, eh, you know fleeting yeah it's very fundamental and that's not yeah. bad especially since again this is only the first episode uh-huh so with so, that yes no go on you are the host for this episode after all i am how nice was this episode of sengoku collection i'll give it like a six okay so you know, this is very much like I could keep watching a couple episodes of this and probably be fine. It would be fun enough, I guess. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't really be anything I remember for more than half a week. But, <laughs> eh, you know. Yeah. Um, I gave Endride a five. And I feel like Sengoku Collection is weirdly enough about where I would put Endride. Like, they're about the same to me in terms of I would watch it. Endride has the very toyetic element that I find very fun. But it, it, it there's also a little, like, I'm not really invested in any of the characters. Where Sengoku Collection is less toyetic, you know, surprisingly enough. But it, it makes up for it with having at least two characters I kind of am interested in seeing more of. Yeah. I don't know what I gave Android, but my old rankings don't matter anything to me. I always think they're bad anyway, yeah. so... You gave Android a five. Man, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, all right, so final big question to Kiyosaku, my friends, my pal. Yeah, my good buddy. <laughs> Let's <No>. go. Uh... <laughs> 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 to get one more in there how easy is this one? Oh fuck man i don't know this is pretty reverse isekaisi this is some pretty reverse isekaisi stuff i'm gonna give us like an eight hmm this is like up the prototypical thing you'd expect of a reverse isekai yeah which is, of course, two points removed from what you would prototypically expect of a normal isekai. <laughs> Naturally. Obviously. <laughs> That's how that works, Joe. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Yeah, we have no room to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Not an inch. We won't mm. even get off the floor. We've never even touched a hoop in our lives. Ah, did you hear that Space Jam 2 is coming out? Yeah, man, I don't care. I have never seen Space Jam 1. I have no nostalgia for that movie. Do you like Kingdom Hearts? Kind of? Space Jam 2 seems like it's going to be the Kingdom Hearts of Space Jam. Yeah, but I don't like basketball. (laughs) I like Hmm. people hitting each other with sticks. (laughs) Hmm. Well, maybe in Kingdom Hearts 4, Sora will go to the basketball world and he'll face off against LeBron James. Well, I don't particularly care then either. (laughs) But I want to see the basketball key blade. That sounds mildly entertaining. But again, I don't really care that much. (laughs) Fair. Um... I guess I'll give Sengoku Collection a 7 on the Isekaisi scale because I I don't really get a lot of the feeling of that world. Like, going over it, it is very clear, like, okay, this isn't Japan, but there's not a lot of, like, this is what it was like. We kind of just have to fill in the details for a lot of it. Like, I'm guessing there's some magic because you got the big old pillar of fire in there. And, you know, Nobunaga seems kind of, like, not unfazed, but not especially shocked to be mentally contacted by three Kimono Mimi Shrine Maidens. But, yeah, like, there's not enough... How do I put it? There's a feeling that I get when I see a seer... You know, the fish out of water going from one world to another one feels different to me than the fish out of water going into the future. Even though those are both, you know, changing settings. I suppose, but again, I feel, yeah, I definitely don't think this is them just going in the future. Yeah, it's just, uh, the isekai energy of this one felt more like it was, it felt like it was Nobunaga going into the future, even if it, you know, legitimately is not that. So I have to dock one point for that, and then two points for it being Sengoku Collection. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 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 These ratings are bad. (laughs) <laughs> that isn't the goddamn thesis statement of this entire podcast all right that's it we we did one more we finished episode 23 yeah next week is going to be restaurant to another world Ooh, okay From i'm 2017 haven't seen it but i like food series and i'm hoping that this is a, a food based series as opposed i mean it could just be a capitalism series <laughs> could just be a generic isekai with a restaurant sub theme uh, i mean it could be like smartphone where the main character goes to a restaurant and then is sent to another world and then we don't bring up the restaurant for two arcs <laughs> <laughs> that is also completely possible yeah or it could be where people repeatedly go to a restaurant that is, d- puts different people in a fantasy world, but they briefly eat something and then go back to their world. <laughs> sort of a spirited away <laughs> kind of deal. All of these are legitimately concepts that I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm, I'm hype. Well, if you're excited to find out with us, then come back here in a week and we'll see you in another world. Hmm.